Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Church in the Valley. We are really glad that you're here uh, to worship with us. I'm hoping the lights go out or on because I can't see anybody. I can hear you since you're there, but I can't see you. Uh, we're continuing the message series, uh, like JR mentioned, called The Lies That Defeat Us, uh, which looks at certain lies that get into our head, that kind of get into our life and begin to slow our progress in life. They actually can come against us and choose certain attitudes, make certain choices that actually cut us off and prevent us from the life that God wants us to have. And as I'm looking at that list right there on the screen, I know for me personally, I've said a few of those this past week. Uh, In fact, a lot of times I wake up and I think, I'm tired. Uh, As I've been looking at this series, though, I'm trying to prevent myself from saying I'm too tired because all of us would agree that we're tired and sometimes probably going to yawn. It's true. You will yawn. You'll see somebody yawn. You're going to yawn. You're going to think, you know, I'm kind of tired. Like when's the weekend? And you'll realize it is the weekend. And then you're going to start getting stressed out because I have a whole nother week before the next weekend. And I'm tired and you're tired and we're all kind of tired. And if you want to kind of look at how tired we are as a nation, you just look at the energy drink market. You guys been to a 7-Eleven recently? It's like nowadays you can get a Slurpee and add like Red Bull. Anything can, you can add Red Bull to. Anything is, is you know, just grab a rock star. And they have the, the greatest, uh, the slogans. I'm going to get into those a little bit. But I wanted to show you a commercial where the energy drink industry is really trying to get onto this fact that you know, you guys are tired and you shouldn't have to be tired. And if you have $5, you can buy this can of undo tired in your life. And once you consume it, it's going to help you. So check this out. See if you guys have seen this. Eating lunch isn't exactly hard work. So why do you feel so tired afterward? Instead of refueled and focused, you're foggy and sluggish. It's that 2.30 feeling again. So how do you get your clear, alert feeling back? Have a coffee? Then another? Do this instead. Take one five-hour energy. In minutes, foggy and sluggish is gone. Hello, clear and alert. Five-hour energy. Take it after lunch. Be clear and alert for hours. Okay, so if nothing else, if somebody's walking around the office and they're no longer in color and they're in black and white, they're tired. That's all you need to know. It's not if they yawn anymore. It's actually if they lose color, they're, they're tired. Okay, but you, you get this, well, I'll lose the 2.30 feeling. Well, I have that feeling, you know, after lunch and you're at work and you're looking at your computer screen. And you're like, man, I'm tired. I just need a little nap, but I can't nap because I'm at work. And so I, I need some sort of pick-me-up. And we're all looking for a pick-me-up. Here's some of the slogans. Uh, five-hour energy. Drink it in seconds. Feel it in minutes. Last for hours. Red Bull. I like this one. Gives you wings. Gives you wings! No Red Bull, no wings. Because when I'm tired, I want wings. I sometimes want chicken wings, but that's that's another statement. Uh, Another one, untamed energy, more energy, more power. I mean, you just like reach in your wallet. You're grabbing dollar bill and you're like, more power. I need that. Uh, Unleash the beast. I like that one too. You just walk into 7-Eleven, you're tired, you're in black and white, and then you just unleash the beast and you come out full color. Ready. Party like a rock star, right? Because you're not a rock star unless you drink rock star. You can't party like a rock star unless you drink a rock star. And all these slogans are, are designed 
to allow us or to kind of cause us to pay lots of money. In fact, that the energy drink industry, despite the economic downturn, is one of the fastest growing industries in our country. In 2012, it was like a $12 billion industry. $12 billion. And in four years, it's going to grow to $21 billion. And I'm not, I'm talking energy drinks. Have you been to your Starbucks lately? Right? I was there this morning. And there's just people in there just, just scan my phone. Just scan that thing and get me the largest coffee I can get. And you get free refills if you're a Starbucks customer. So it's like, you know, whatever you can do to get as much caffeine in your body, everything is going to be okay. Why is that? Well, there's this part of us that when we begin to get tired, we realize that, you know, we can't really go on. We can't really do what we need to do. And we all have different circumstances that that comes out in. Uh, In work, you may be working hard. You're working 60, you're working 70, you're working 80 hours a week. And you're just thinking, I I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to sustain this. At home life, you may be in a situation where you have newborn kids. Or maybe they're one, maybe they're two. And there's, there's just one of those things that the only like time you could sleep in, somehow a neighbor does something that wakes all the kids up. Or a newborn, they, they don't know what sleep is. It's like in the day they sleep at night. When you're sleeping, they're up and they're an owl. Okay, you guys have been there. If you're young, you know, young parents, you got young kids and you're just in the zone where you're just not getting the rest that you need. Or you're in just certain relationships and you're in just trouble with people and you're trying to work out these problems that you have and it's just so tiring and it weighs on you. And there's all these different things that just drain us and leave, leave us wanting something that can just get us through. Whether that's in family life, whether that's at work, whether that's in relationship, even in church. Here at Church in the Valley, you got to wake up early sometimes. If you're on setup, you got to get here to get everything set up and you know, Saturday night, there was that movie like, you know, Ocean's Eleven is always on at like 1030 p.m. You got to watch it, but it's got commercials. So it's even longer. So it's done at like 130. But you got to get for setup. And you're like, oh, set up. the alarm goes off and you're just here. And you're, oh, man, I got I, I just I need to pick me up. I got to get through this day. And you're draining and so many things drain us, whether it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's fun. All these things, they they drain us. And so what we're looking at today is what do we do when that feeling comes upon us? What are the things that we do? Because the way that the, the enemy wants us to think in this series, we've been looking at certain things in us that cause it like problems. That's called the flesh and the flesh. We live in the flesh when we just want to go against God's way. We want to live independently. And then there's certain things that we believe that's of the world, the culture, what media says. And there's certain things that the enemy, the devil himself feeds to us. And one of the key things that we battle is this idea that because you're tired, you cannot do what you're supposed to do. And oftentimes it is the right thing that you're supposed to do. But because of your weariness, because of how tired you are, you don't want to do it. And it causes us to be slack in our work. It causes us to kind of brush people off because we don't have the energy to deal with them. We distance ourselves. We have barriers so we can have the space that we need to just get our minds to the place where they need to be so we can do what we need to do. Because I'm tired. But if you start believing that tiredness or weariness is a reason to not do what we're supposed to do, then we've stalled in life. We've actually hit a wall. 
And until we get filled up or re-energized, we, we, we cannot move forward. And what you find is in scripture, there's multiple times and multiple stories where people could have hit the wall, could have given up, could have decided they're not going to do it anymore. And you see those examples and you see positive examples as well. This morning, I want to look at a story where somebody could have decided I'm too tired. It's not worth it. I'm going to give up, but instead decided to push through. And I'm going to read and continue the life of Joshua. Last time, a few weeks ago, uh, we actually talked about Joshua. We've been looking at the Old Testament. And the nice thing about the Old Testament is you see how God interacts with people historically. And you see how people have faced different problems and what God has done and the perspective he's given and the help that he's provided. And so history, especially in the scriptures, as you look in the Old Testament, gives us these lessons that we can learn from. And so as you follow along, there's going to be different details. You're going to be hearing cities that you're never going to go to or never going to hear again. But I want you in the midst of this to kind of see what's going on and kind of picture yourself in this moment. Joshua had taken over from Moses, who led the people. And Moses, although he was not allowed to get the people to the promised land, Moses was an established leader, a respected leader. And Joshua took over. And his job was to take them through the water of the Jordan to the promised land that God had granted them. And Joshua, I'm sure, was fearful. He was scared. He was afraid of the reputation and the shoes that he was supposed to fill. And he faced a lot of fears and a lot of doubt. But what you find is, as he did what God told him to do, he found success. As he battled the lies that he was fed, like, you're not good enough, you can't do it, you can't replace Moses, who are you? As he battled through and decided to do what God wants him to do, you actually find that Joshua had a lot of success. And I want to give the context to how, basically, God told Joshua he wanted him to lead, how he wanted to move forward. And this is the same way that God wants us to handle the things he's given us, our responsibilities, our relationship, our money, our talents, everything he's given us. He's given us certain commands of how we're supposed to move forward to take what God has given us, the promises that he's given us. And these are the things. These are three commands to claim God's promises. We're supposed to be strong, be courageous, and be careful. Those three things you find again and again as the critical components of doing what God wants you to do. You're going to be faced with circumstances where you're, you don't want to be strong. You want to be weak and you feel weak. You're going to be faced with circumstances where you need to be courageous, but you're scared, but you have to be courageous. And then you're going to be faced with circumstances where you need to be careful. And this carefulness is to actually do exactly what God has commanded us to do. That's the key to not deviate from what the Bible says in the slightest. So be strong, be courageous, and be careful. And so Joshua, in his framework, in his mind, knows, okay, that God has, God has told me I need to be strong, I need to be courageous, and I need to be careful. I need to do everything that the Lord has given me to do. And you see he had success. They were able to cross the Jordan River. It was flood season, but they were able to get the people across, and they had a victory. And then God told him to... March on the city called Jericho to take this city, which fortified walls. You may have heard the story of Jericho. Basically, it's you have to march around it a certain number of times. You have to blow a trumpet and miraculously the walls will fall. The place that could not be penetrated was penetrated by people that followed God's commands exactly like he said. And he gave Joshua success. So in the early days of Joshua's leadership, you find that he was able to cross the Jordan with the people. No one drowned. Everyone survived. 
He was success. They went to Jericho. They were able to take the city that couldn't be taken because they did exactly what God told them to do. So you see that Joshua is leading his people. And so far he has done what God has told him to do. He's been strong. He's been courageous and he's been careful. Now, at this point, I'm going to pick up the story. But you think like once he's taken the people past the Jordan, once they've marched the city of Jericho and marched around and taken the city, you think at that point, if if you're like me, if Joshua's like me, I'm thinking, great, I've had two big journeys, a battle, and now I'm ready for rest. That's how I am. You work hard, you work hard, and then you're just thinking like, okay, when does the work stop so I can get the rest that I need, the rest that, that I want? And what you find is with Joshua, he continued to have to go forward to claim the promised land. He had entered the land, but God was saying, you need to move forward. You need to keep on claiming what I have given you. And that's the same in life. We get to a point where we say, okay, God, thank you. This is, this is good. You've taken me this far in my life. This is good. I'm here. Great. Thank you. I will see you maybe in 20 years. But God continues to push us. No, this isn't where he wants you. He wants you here. But you're like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I can't. Well, that's not where he wants you. He wants you here. But I can't. I'm Red Bull, get wings. Where's my wings? That's what God does. He continues to stretch us to cause us to rely on him. See, the enemy thoughts come in and we think give up, give in. God, with the enemy thoughts, gives us himself. And as we rely on him, just like Joshua, we're able to do more than we ever thought we could. That's why we sing songs about almighty God, everlasting God. This idea of we serve a God that doesn't give you wings. He actually gives you himself. And that provides the help that you need. And so I'm going to pick up the story here. I'm going to kind of skim along. It's basically found in Joshua 9 and 10. So I'm going to do this like Reader's Digest cliff note version. Okay, so follow along. It's not going to have every detail in there, but it should give you the general sense of what's happened. So they get to the Jericho. They get to Jericho. They they they. Do what he said. The walls come down. They've taken the city. Well, God wants to continue to move them into the, the city called I. And he gave them some, some specific commands to do, to carefully do it, to keep a firm grip on their responsibilities. And I, I want to pick up in chapter 9, after the city is destroyed again, they led them to I. And let's pick this up. Joshua 9 and 10. These are lessons from the Gibeonite ruse. So after seeing the Israelites win the battle of Ai, the people of Gibeon decided to trick Joshua into making a treaty with them. So they took another city. And what's happening is the people around are seeing that God is telling this group of people to do some things. And the group of people are doing it. The Israelites, they're obeying him and they're taking everybody out. And so all around people are looking and thinking, well, man, don't mess around with these Israelites. What, the Israelites? Yeah, the same people that were like in Egypt, the slaves. Yeah, but they're not slaves anymore. They're taking people out. Like, they're that strong. Now they blow trumpets and walls fall and stuff. Do you imagine? They're just talking among themselves, these different tribes, and seeing all this is happening. And it's unbelievable. And so the Gibeonites thing, you know, we're not going to get taken out like this. We've been here a long time. Let's come up with a plan to trick them so that they'll make an alliance with us. Joshua 9, 3 through 5. So it says, however, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn out sacks and wineskins, cracked and mended. The men put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. So basically, 
They're tricking them and saying, we're from a far off land. We see that you're strong. We see that God is with you. We want to be protected by you. We want to have a partnership together. Well, see, in those days, you would partner with people from distant lands because you're not really in each other's territory. And so the Gibeonites knew that the only way that we're going to survive here is if we trick them and act like we're far away. And so they actually had moldy food that made it look like they had traveled long distance. And they took off their old clothes and their beat off clothes and they put those on. Now, they didn't have goodwill in those days, but I'm sure they had kind of these bags with like those worn out clothes you can't wear anymore. And they're pulling those out and they just look all worn and tattered. They got holes and they're like, we've come from so far. Would be like somebody coming here and saying like, we've come from San Francisco and we're so tired. And then you come find out they're from San Gabriel. They're right next door. But the way they looked, they looked haggard. Their food's all bad. And the keep saying, just save us. We're from a distant land. Help us. And Joshua has pity on them. He decides to make a treaty with Gibeon without checking with God. Can everybody say, uh-oh? That was weak. Uh-oh. Okay, so far, Joshua had been strong. He'd been courageous. He'd been careful. He'd done everything that God had said. Now, the Gibeonites come, these poor, tattered, tired people, and they say, form an alliance with us. Did he check with God? No. It's kind of how it is with us. We have success. You know, we've we've made a lot of progress. We look back and we think, you know what? Life's gone well so far. And so he begins to think that, you know, I don't really need to check with God. I'll just, you know what? You guys are tired. I have pity on you. Let's form an alliance. We're powerful. We're taking everybody out. But when God says to be careful, to not deviate from my word in the slightest, you want to check with God. You want to ask him what he thinks. It's the same in life. We want to make decisions, especially like this, where we're partnering with people and moving into the future with somebody. We want to ask God about that. Is this right? Is this the the group that I should be connected with? So he makes a treaty with them. After the treaty is made, he discovers that the Gibeonites are neighbors. Imagine how embarrassing that is for Joshua. He'd done well so far. And then all of a sudden they like throw the moldy food, like, let's get rid of this. Just take off the old clothes and they got new clothes and they just come out like, hey, thanks for the treaty. We're just right next door. Appreciate it. Do you imagine what Joshua's saying? Wait a second. What? What? And now there's a dilemma. He's given his word. And these days, when you give your word, I mean, it's, it's like life and death. You don't just go against it. It's a contract. It's very serious. Your word is everything. So they're, they're faced with the situation. Well, what do we do? Well, this is what Joshua does. He leads the Israelites to keep their word in spite of the unfair treaty. Now you're thinking, what does this have to do with being tired? Okay, follow along. Joshua 9, 18. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. That will make you tired. Okay. But all the leaders answered, we have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. We can't. We, we have a treaty with them. This is what we will do to them. We will let them live so that wrath will not fall on us for breaking the oath we swore to them. We're not going to attack them. We're not going to bail on them. We've given them our word. We should have checked with God. We should have maybe done some background checks, gotten some references. But we're stuck now. And so we have to do what we said we will do. And so Joshua pulls the Gibeonites together and he reveals that he knows their secret. But he commits to keeping his word. You find that in 26 and 27 of chapter 9 of Joshua. Then the story continues. Five neighboring kings 
make an alliance to attack Gibeon. They want to take, take out the Gibeonites, a strategic city in that region. So the Gibeonites here just formed a treaty with Joshua and the Israelites. And these five kings from the surrounding areas think, you know, it's our time to take out Gibeon. If we can get that city, our power will grow, our influence will grow, and we'll be able to command more of the area. This is where the story gets interesting. Joshua decides, you know what? We've got to keep our word. We've got to stay committed to what we've said. We have a treaty with this group of people. Now, that's all great. But when you find out that there's like an all-out war about to happen, and now you have to protect the very people that tricked you, that's where it gets difficult. Because if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I thought like we would give you snacks occasionally if you got hungry. Like we'd let you come onto our land and let your horses and your mules eat. But a war, we didn't know about a war. So at this very moment, you're seeing that this commitment is commanding and demanding a lot of Joshua that, that he never thought would come. So there's this idea of I'm, I'm too tired. If I was Joshua, I'm too tired for this. I can't deal with all this drama. Go back with your moldy bread to where you came. They're like, we're from here. Oh, yeah, that was the problem. You can imagine the frustration and just there's a war that's about to happen. So it wasn't Joshua's fights. It wasn't the Israelites fight. But now they're committed to fight. And so regardless of how they felt, they had to move forward. Let's continue the story there. So Joshua has to move forward to help. You could scroll the screen up a little bit. So God reminds him of the promise and the power and presence in the fight. So God says, even despite the fact that you didn't seek me, even though you didn't ask what I thought, I'm still going to be with you. And he gives him a promise in Joshua 10. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. So Joshua was committed to the Gibeonites. He was going to help them. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. And so Joshua led Israel back into the battle. Joshua 10:9. After an all night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. Now, just in that little phrase, you find how the tiredness and how the weariness could creep in. What kind of a march was it? All night. When do you sleep? At night. Somebody said all night. That's true. Right? Wait a second. How do they march at night when you're supposed to sleep at night? That's right. They had to take the land. They had to go to from Gilgal. No sleep. So here's the deal. To fight this battle is going to be about a 1900 foot climb in altitude. It was going to be 15 miles to march with no sleep in the middle of the night. With the average walking speed, let's say it's three miles an hour, uphill, snow both ways, barefoot. No, just kidding. 1,900 feet, you know, the altitude's coming in. They basically marched for six to eight hours straight to fight a battle that wasn't theirs to fight. You could see Joshua leading this group of men, his best fighting men. And then just along the way thinking, well, what, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Joshua's thinking, you know what? It was my fault, but I gave them my word. And God has told us that no one will be able to withstand us. He will go before us. He will prepare us. And we do not need to be afraid. So I know you're tired. I know you're probably cold. You're hungry. 
and you're thinking I'm the worst leader you've ever had. But this moment, you need to keep going. You need to continue marching. For God has given us the victory. Now, I've never done an all-night march. I know some military people, they've experienced that. And that's at the point where you, you feel like you can't go on. If you've ever been in sports, every year you do Hell Week. Which basically, they want to separate the people who really want to do it and who don't. And they just wear you out and wear you out and wear you out and wear you out until you decide, never mind, this isn't important. I don't want to do this anymore. That's what can happen in our own life circumstances. We can get things that are wearing us out, wearing us out, wearing us out, wearing us out. And God is right there to help us, to go before us, to give us the strength that we need. When everything against us and everything in us is saying, just give up. Give up. It doesn't matter what you said. It doesn't matter that you said that to that person. It didn't matter that you promised that or you committed to that. Give up. Give up. Give up. Because we think that because we're tired, we can't press on. So the lessons from this story are despite the tiredness, despite the weariness, you have to keep pushing on to claim what God has given Now, God also provided help, some extra help. There was actually a hailstorm that God occurred to happen, which caused worse weather to defeat the enemy. Hailstones. Okay, that's when you know God's working on your behalf. You're marching at night, and all of a sudden, hailstones just boom, hitting the enemy. Just, they're in their slumber and just getting knocked about by hailstones. And the army was right there. And during the battle, they had to pursue the enemy another 11 miles so they, they marched a total of 26 miles to fight for a group of people that tricked them in the middle of the night without sleep. They did a marathon without sleep. Because it was the right thing to do because of their work. Were they tired? Yes. Were they exhausted? Yes. Were they frustrated? Oh, I'm sure. All these things that go on when we're tired. If you're like me, are you like the most irrational person when you're tired? I know I am. When I'm tired, I, I, I can't see straight. Like when I'm really tired. I mean, not just like I didn't get half an hour as much as I'd like to see. I'm like when I've been on fumes and something happens and you're just one step from bawling. Or is that just me? But sometimes like I'm, I'm emotional. Just I get tired. I'm frustrated. can get angry. Cause I'm just tired. And all these things were going on, but, but in the moment, they, they realized they couldn't give in to their emotions. They couldn't give in to just what makes sense to them. God was there to provide the strength that they needed to march a marathon in the middle of the night. And so what can we learn from this? Well, the God who led them and sustained them is the same God that wants a relationship with us and wants to lead us and sustain us as well. Now, all of us would probably agree that that we're more tired than we'd like. And in fact, this next week, we may have some things that we have to do that we don't want to do and that are going to drain us. And it'd be really hard for us to continue in, whether that's being kind and compassionate to the coworker of yours that always in the project seems like they have the problem and you just want them to figure it out so you don't have to mess them. And you're just tired of having to help them. 
or at home life, just you feel like you just need space from the people in your life. You just need a little space. I, I need a little time. I'm tired. I need to collect my thoughts and just can't deal with all this noise around me. We all have those spots. We all have those different areas that just drain us and just kind of cause us to just cower back. I want to just talk briefly as I close, just some helpful things that along the way have provided a lot of perspective to me. Just when I'm worn down and tired, and I want to just share these with you, I hope these can be an encouragement for you. But when you're worn down and you're tired and you don't want to do what you need to do, you need to ask God for help and you need to wait on his refreshment. Now, if you're following along in your outline, circle that word, wait. It's very difficult when you're tired to wait for anything. You want relief now. You want the problem solved now. You want help now. But there's something that God does in the midst where you feel like you can't handle anymore. Where as you wait on him, he comes through. But you have to wait. You have to trust You have to believe that he will give you what you need. That's really the picture of following Jesus Christ. We have our reflexes on what we want. We have our reflexes on what we need. And we decide that instead of just going for what I want, when I want it, we allow God to provide. We allow God to come through and be true to his word. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31 says this. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall, fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So here's a picture. Basically, it doesn't matter how old or how young you are. You're going to be faced with things in your life that you cannot handle by yourself. And the only way you know that is in the middle of it, you realize, I cannot handle this by myself. So it's in those moments when the pressure is mounted that you turn to the one who can help. And here it is the one who gives power and strength. He gives power to the faint. It's this idea of you can't even stand up. You're you're about to hit the deck. Just like you're about to faint. I, I I can't do this anymore. Well, he gives power. Those who are exhausted, you can barely stay upright. He, he's there. So the one who has no might or ability, you feel like you just don't have what it takes to do what you need to do in your family. You don't have what it takes to do what you need to do in the problem that you face. You don't have what it takes to handle the work responsibility that you've been given. It's in those moments when you have no might or no ability that God will help you. And there's a promise. As you rely on him, as you turn to him, As you look to him, he renews you. The picture there of renew is is one of like changing clothes. You're tired, you're exhausted, and it's like the Gibeonites. You have these old tattered clothes on. They're worn out. And what you decide to do is when you look to God and you trust in him, he gives you a new set of clothes. It's like you're freshening up. With the refreshment that he provides as you turn to him. But you have to wait for it. And then this renewal continues as we trust God. 
he will increase your capacity. So that's the key. As you wait on him and he refreshes you, your capacity increases. What that means is the, the things that you're facing that are really difficult are the very things that God wants to use to grow you. Now, when I hear that, I'm like, well, that stinks. Like, I don't want that. I want it just to be over. The thing is, there's no problem free world. When you commit your life to Christ, it doesn't mean that all the problems relationally, circumstantially, it doesn't mean that they just go away. You still have them. In fact, when you have God working on your behalf, he uses it to grow you. Trouble, tiredness, pain, all those things increase your capacity. You, as you rely on him in the moment, and you don't bail out. Over time, you can handle more. And as you have more and you don't bail out and you march and you march and you march, you can handle more. You get the picture. You can continue to handle more. But here's the key. When we're tired, damage comes if we relax our grip. If we bail. We've missed out on the opportunity God wants to give us to increase our capacity. We have to keep a firm grip. As you're laying into your kids, you have to continue to treat them right despite what they're doing. As you're laying into your coworker, you have to continue to help even though it feels like you, you've helped again and again and again. Or to the boss that keeps asking you to do things that weren't what you thought you would be doing. And you're tired. You have to continue to do what you've been given. Got to keep that firm grip. I want to share a couple videos of some people within church in the valley that recently have been faced with just being tired, fatigued, worn out. Hear from them and kind of what God has done as this picture of Isaiah, what I just shared with you. One of the things that's been uh, really pressing for me and and causing me to be extra busy and extra tired uh, is work. I work as a middle manager in an aerospace manufacturing company. And we have an awful lot of work right now, as well as um, a ton of growth that's happening over the next five years. So my staff is tasked both with uh, solving immediate problems to get things out to our customers, as well as envisioning the future and planning for uh, all of the resources we're going to need. One of the things on our plate is to put together detailed presentations to our leadership and our customers about what that's going to look like. And uh, a lot of times those things don't get done in eight hours at work, so I'm putting together presentations and reports late at night from home. That provides an awful lot of opportunities for me to say, I'm too tired or I can't deal with this right now uh, as I seek to finish those work tasks as well as uh, help out the kids with homework or just be helpful around the house and, and do the home maintenance and home repair tasks that have to be done. And so the way that I've been able to battle that lie successfully at times is um, to look and see, am I really doing the things that I need to be doing? And once I know that I've delegated those tasks that are not mine and prioritized the others, uh, I know that God's going to give me the strength to push through on the things that are on my plate. So I just dive in. And every time uh, the, the truth of the scripture from Isaiah 40, 31, that that God gives us the strength we need has been very true. Uh, that scripture says that we rise up on wings like eagles and we'll run and walk and be able to move on and not grow tired. 
and God's given me that strength. Um, what that does for me is that really builds a history of knowing the next time that I can do uh, whatever's next on my plate, whatever task comes up, um, and God's going to help me through that. And that history is, is what really motivates me because I know that he's been faithful in the past and he's going to be faithful this time. Also, this, the, just the relief of the stress. Once those tasks are done and I can uh, move, check that off the box and move on to the next thing, it's uh, very helpful, very refreshing. The other day I was driving in my car with the boys. We were headed somewhere. It was a very busy week. It had actually been a couple of very busy weeks. And the boys started fighting again. <laughs> um, it wasn't out of the blue. They had been fighting that morning. They were fighting earlier that week. They were fighting the week before. It was just a really challenging parenting season. And I was weary. And with all that was going on, I just felt the emotions well up in me. And I was feeling overwhelmed. And then I started thinking, I'm too tired for this. I, I can't do this. And right about that moment... It was like God put the truth back in my head so I could stop spiraling out. And, it, and he just said, don't despair. I'm with you and I will help you. And I think the reason I was able to catch those enemy thoughts so quick was because I had really been trying to make uh, my time with God and reading the Bible a priority in the mornings. And I had been reading this devotion on Second Peter. And one of the verses was Second Peter 1.3, which says, His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. And it was like even before, I knew I needed that perspective and encouragement. God gave it to me. And in that moment when I was spiraling out, it came to mind. He's here. He's with me. He can give me what I need to deal with this. So instead of getting all emotional, I just started asking him for help for where I lacked. Instead of seeing all my physical limits, um, emotional limits, I saw his limitless resources of energy, um, kindness and love towards my kids, wisdom, and he really came through. So uh, we just kept moving throughout our day, and um, I was able to really see it as an opportunity, not as uh, interruption or just my kids trying to get at me, but really a chance to, to be a godly parent and to love them and show them the patience and kindness that God has shown me and bless them in that way, and hopefully that they would you know, treat each other rightly and bless each other. And so God really helped with that. And then another unexpected thing was my mom called out of the blue and asked if she could watch the boys for a couple of hours, which was really great. It was, it was timely. I didn't ask for it. God just worked through somebody in my life to bring me some refreshment I needed. And he's really shown me that time and time again um, that he'll give me what I need and more to handle the tasks and responsibilities that he gives me. Aren't those great? Those, that, that encourages me. That right there is practically how, how it looks. He gives strength. He gives power. And over time, like Mark mentioned, this history that God comes through, you, you, you rest on that. And like Joy mentioned, you realize that there's opportunity, not interruptions. That the things that you face that you think are the most draining can sometimes be the things that God uses to grow you and stretch you and actually allow you to bless others. Mark mentioned the promise there in Isaiah, which I just read, this idea of soaring and running and walking. And I just wanted to kind of share a little bit real briefly as I close this idea of 
Soaring Like Eagles, it's this picture of, of God will pull you out of the despair that you're in. And so if you're, you're under it right now, don't give up. Don't despair. God lifts you above it, just like an eagle. And then the idea of running, it's like in challenges. So the soaring is like in crisis. Like you may be in a crisis and you just need to be lifted up. And God will do that. And you ask him for that. Maybe you're just in a challenge in a certain season of your life. And you just need to run. You need to just be able to kind of push through the wall that you face. But the third is this walking. And that's, that's like the mundane of life. A lot of times, those are the things that get us. It's the chores. It's the responsibilities. The, the kind of everyday sort of things. And Warren Wiersbe, he's, a, he's an author, a Christian author. And he, he wrote about this idea of plodding along. Like as you walk... You have the strength to walk. You're, you're plodding. And this is what he says. He says, the greatest heroes of faith are not always those who seem to be soaring. Often it is they who are patiently plodding. As we wait on the Lord, he enables us not only to fly higher and run faster, but also to walk longer. Blessed are the plotters, for they eventually arrive at their destination. And so I want to encourage you. If you're in crisis and challenge, God, he'll give you the strength to, to, to fly above it and to run in it. But if you're just in the mundane and it's just wearing you down, he also gives you the patience and the endurance to plod, to keep one foot in front of the other. So in closing, uh, Jr. had you guys pull out the connection card. Why don't you grab that and finish filling that out as the band comes up. And we're going to receive the offering as soon as I'm done. You can drop that connection card in there. Um, So go ahead and finish that. And then there's some next steps that you can take. I'm going to briefly mention those. Uh, You can memorize Isaiah 40, 31. And on the back of your connection card, you can mark those. This is your way of saying this week, I'm going to take a step to apply something. To actually do something that I I, I sense God wants me to do. Um, Then the, the second one is keep blank in spite of how tired I am. Is there something you just need to keep on doing? In spite of how tired you are, that's blank. It's just something that you need to just continue in to not give up. Write that in there. And then the last one is ask God for refreshment every day this week in those might be the same thing. But is there something that you just know you're going to face that's going to be very difficult for you to keep plotting in? And so ask God for help in that. Why don't we pray together and then we'll sing a song of offering and then we'll close. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for the strength that you provide. I don't know for me personally, sometimes when I look at what I'm about to face in my week or even in my day, uh, it can be overwhelming. And, and I pray, God, for anyone in here that, that's just overwhelmed and no one knows it. There may be someone in here that just is so, so torn up inside and they're not sure what to do. And God, I, I pray that you will refresh them. God, as they cry out to you, I know that you will give them what they need. And so thank you for your promise that you give us renewal. You give us your power and you give us your strength as we look to you. And so we we desperately need it. And so we ask for it in the name of Lord Jesus. Amen.